You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Merry Christmas. Almost. Happy fourth Sunday in Advent, I suppose, technically, um, uh, but anticipating uh, coming of our Lord. Uh, let's open with prayer. These are the two collects um, uh, for Christmas. There are two of them. Um, both of them, I think, I didn't check this. This is by memory. I think they're strongly of Cramner's hand, um, which would mean they were probably around. I don't know this. I should have looked at this. What he did a lot, Thomas Cramner, um, wrote, wrote um, still what we use as uh, a significant part of the prayer book, but wrote the first prayer book in 1549, the revision in 1552, part of his mastery wasn't creating from nothing, but he would take what was already around and then retune it with a different cadence, but most especially with a, um, a different emphasis. And he would take uh, phrases or words or the order of things, and he would reorient them uh, in his mind to a way that was faithful to the scripture, um, what in the period was being called sola fideanism, just to say that by faith alone are we justified, and not by faith and with some other additional part. For those who have been in the Galatians class with me, this would be the Christ and something else. Kramner was locked on with that, and so he would take what was often a, an old prayer. It would have been around in some of the, the, the masses or the, uh, the liturgy that would have been been present for at some points hundreds of years. I don't know this, but I think these are probably too like this. Um, and then he retuned them in a more um, clear direction so that he found, uh, in this instance, that love came down at Christmas and that we don't ascend and go up to God. And so with that, hey Ron, um, with that, let's pray the two colleagues for Christmas um, from Thomas Cramner. Oh God, who makest us glad with the yearly remembrance of the birth of thine only Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that as we joyfully receive him for our Redeemer, so we may with sure confidence behold him when he, when he shall come to be our judge, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty God, which has given us thine only begotten Son to take our nature upon him, and at this time to be born of a pure virgin, Grant that we, being regenerate and made by made thy children by adoption and grace, may daily be renewed by thy Holy Spirit, through the same our Lord Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the same Spirit ever, one God, world without end. Amen. Hey, Liz. Um, so here, um, I have to move quickly and not 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 dawdle here at the beginning, so we can get somewhere near an end. Um, uh, you can see his retuning where he wants to make sure the directionality is correct. You've been hearing the words and, and, and pick up, I hope, the gift language. Um, oh God, who makes us glad. Um, there's an activity of God, even at the beginning, for our disposition, um, for joy or for happiness or for gladness. God, rest ye, Mary. God, rest ye uh, gladly. God, rest ye peacefully. God, rest ye happily as in the beatific, uh, happy, um, happy are they, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, God makes us these things, and the old carol brings that in there. Um, I, now I'm totally off script. Um, 
you know, is it God rest ye merry gentlemen? Um, so is it God rest ye comma merry gentlemen? Or is it God rest ye merry comma gentlemen? And it was written to the God rest ye merry. He wants to say, this is how I want you to be rested. Um, uh, and it's real similar to the way, that, again, with the Galatians class, still, still fresh in, our, in my mind anyway. God does the activity, the verbing, um, and he wants even to tell us how we are to be rested. God rest ye merry. And it's not scripture, obviously. It's a carol. Um, but the, the, the idea carries over. Um, God who makes us glad um, in the yearly remembrance of the birth of our only Son, Jesus Christ, and now gift, grant, that as we joyfully receive him for our Redeemer, so we may, now the fruit, with sure confidence behold him when he shall come to be our judge. Um, Christ has come, Christ will come again, and when he comes again, um, may we be glad and, uh, and with our knees bowed and our tongues confessing praise and glory uh, for his redemption of each of us. That's Christmas. That's where we're headed. Um, uh, this was in our, our service even this morning. Now, just moving through what I've given you, we might get through something like what I have here. It's just a, a bunch of, uh, of, of scripture, of carols, of poems, um, a couple of references to, uh, uh, I didn't include Truman Capote, a couple of pictures that we're going to look at, some images and all. So just Christmas reading, whether or not we'll, we'll get there or not the whole way, but that's the idea is just to hopefully shape our hearts uh, or be shaped by Christmas coming down, love coming down and, and opening us to the... Uh, uh, to the coming of our Lord for our redemption. Um, that's what I hope we're going to be doing. And so I thought a good place to start there is with uh, with Charles Wesley to to cry out, come, um, to cry out, come, come, thou long expected Jesus. And now the description. It's just such a great job of in in such an economy of words to describe the desires of our hearts and the fulfillment of the same. Is the single activity of God. And it's all contained here in the stanza structure. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. And of course, he's riffing on Augustine there. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart, born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone, by thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Here I think Wesley... um, brother of John, um, what, what, 16 children, I think. I mean, it's just a massive family. Um, <laughs> what has your family done? <laughs> you know? um, uh, answering at the same time, why do we want him to come, and why did he come? Um, uh, born to satiate, to extinguish, and, and then reset the desires of our hearts. Uh, and then why did he come? But born thy people to deliver, born to set thy people free, um, born to set us at rest, born to rule in our hearts alone, so that one day he would raise us alongside of him to his glorious throne. 
And he has in mind the shortest Christmas story there is in Scripture, I think. And that's Galatians 4, um, where in two verses, Paul lays out um, the Christmas story, if you will. Uh, the direction of love coming down, which you can glance down and see Christina Rossetti's little poem, which we sometimes sing. Um, but when the fullness of time had come, we talk about that because it's probably going to be a theme for today. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And really, it's even shorter than that. It's just the first verse, verse 4, this is 4 and 5. Uh, the Christmas story is God sending forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. <laughs> That's the story of the incarnation, of God becoming flesh, of God being made meat, as somebody once said, of God coming uh, down and being born of a woman, flesh of flesh, uh, bone of bone, being born in in a real and tangible place, um, in such a mean estate as uh, amongst dirty hay and braying cattle. I'm going to see a poem here. Uh, and then born under the law, um, born as a human, uh, under the law so that he who would fulfill the law would also then bring it to its end. Um, the one who the one who alone could be born to be crushed by the law and satisfying its need for righteousness so that we then, hidden in him, rock of ages, cleft for thee, like we talked about the last couple of weeks, uh, would find uh, a life simply a life, um, born to set thy people free so that we may live and he would reign in us forever. Um, love comes down at Christmas. Love all lovely. Love divine. Love was born at Christmas. The star and angels gave the sign. So before we go to the Christmas story proper, that was all just kind of a preface. Thoughts? Just kind of connections so far? I haven't really said anything. Um, new per se, um, just the same old story, here we are again, um, uh, love coming down at Christmas, love all lovely, love divine, love being born at Christmas, um, star and angels gave the sign, we'll hear about the star and the angels here in the Gospel of Luke in just a moment, but, but comments or thoughts? Well, David? I'm just reminded of Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We'll read John towards the end. It's a wonderful prologue parallel there. So. Well, here's the story in Luke. Um, we're not going to read the Matthew story. Luke emphasizes Mary and Joseph and then the, uh, the birth, which is it's always surprising to me um, how short the birth itself is actually given. It's just like, well, here, of course. And then the shepherds, the shepherds and the angels. Um, so here's the story from Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, 
because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known that saying which he had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told him. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Manger. Somebody speak French. Might know what manger means, I think. To eat. That's what a manger is, is we call it a trough. It's just the place where animals ate. Um, I realize that we're in England and you walk around, it's kind of like a 7 Eleven over there. What's the, there's a little coffee shop uh, place and it's just called man, manger or whatever you would say. Uh, it's just like, you know, here's little nibbles, place to eat. Um, for oats and straw and hay. And that's where our Lord was come. And then next page, don't know this poet, John Frederick Nims, but it's one that I ran across a couple of weeks ago. And that's where we come to eat. That's where we come to eat. That's right. That's good. That's good. Um, uh, we, we come to the manger to eat. Um, we're verbivores, as somebody once said, um, coming to eat the Word, the Word of God. Um, Christmas. Um, and now it's the place where we sort of go... Um, down into uh, uh, the word which shines forth into the darkness, for the darkness has not overcome it. To feel the, the, the blue notes of Christmas a little bit, to, um, to be abraded, to try to orient ourselves. Why, why do I cry more at Christmas? What's, what's stirring me up? What, why is this? And we're trying to make some sense of that. And here, um, I think what uh, John Nims is saying is trying to answer some of the questions of how could this be so common where some people will want to say like by no means this can't be the way it is um, such a common birth the infant in our harsh hay I think in the third stanza which is going to be you know it's literally the center of the five stanzas it's going to be what he wants to answer that what, what does it mean for Christ to be made flesh for man's flesh is most really this a thin cry in the cold, or dust, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, from dust we are until dust we shall return, dust made for a little while aware, shriveled both young and old. Here's what he says, now the whole thing with um, not a little bit of sarcasm, especially in the 
the fourth and first part of the fifth, um, talking about the uh, the gaudy zoos when people um, want to clean up the Christ child and uh, and put him in shiny places. And I put these images up there because you know if, if contemporary Bethlehem, what would that be like? Hustle and bustle. Um, of course, people have been asking this for a long time. Walter Bruegel, another artist that I sometimes will show, that was one of his themes, where you would just see common life, which is people, just sometimes a hundred people in this massive uh, canvas that he would paint on. And you would see just almost like, where's Waldo? It's very much, I'm trying to be funny, but it's just like that, where in it's a picture book, you're like, where's the Christ child? I can't find him. And you have to search in this massive piece, and it's like, oh, he's right here. And it's that small. That just how silently, how silently the wondrous word is given. And here in the hustle and bustle, it'd be a, you know, a child born in not near squalor, um, uh, laid in a manger because there's no room for him at the end, just forgotten. Otherwise, uh, at least... Uh, an exercise of God dropping himself in enemy territory, as C.S. Lewis would call it. All those illusions would be right as we think about this. Christmas by John Nims. They say, But cattle near and the infant in harsh hay? Indeed harsh. How could honest God be man another way? By lying lax in gold near many a bent knee, Bedded in bright percent and so vouching hypocrisy? Oh, man's flesh is really, is most really this a thin cry in the cold, dust made a little while aware, shriveled, both young and old. When infants are born rich, the gaudy zoos troop in, the elephant with button eyes, the tiger, springs of tin, and friends and relatives gape, a simple clucking clan. More honest, no? When Bethlehem told the home truth of man. It's one of the verses that's been staying with me. And then Edmund Sears came upon a midnight clear. Verses we don't normally sing. Um, wants to thump the same string telling this home truth of, uh, of our situation. This home truth of man. That it's more fitting for God to become man in Bethlehem. Um, uh, in harsh hay rather than in a, uh, what would he call it, um, gaudy zoos with, uh, with elephant eyes, uh, an elephant with button eyes and gaudy springs of tin. So it came upon a midnight clear. I think this is the fourth and fifth stanza, if I remember right, maybe the third and fourth. Yet with the woes of sin and strife, the world, so first he goes general, and then he's going to be specific in the second particular, but right now generally, the world has suffered long. Beneath the angel strain have rolled 2,000 years of wrong. And man at war with man hears not the love song which they, the angels, bring. Oh, hush the noise, ye men of strife, and hear the angels sing. And ye, and you, beneath lies crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Look now. For glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing and rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. This, uh, we're going to keep kind of coming this way, I hope, next 20, 30 minutes or so. 
the fullness of time. For in the fullness of time, make sure I get it exactly right. Uh, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. This idea of the fullness of time, this kairos, not chronos, which is tick, 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 and it just moves in a straight line, but this sense of a swelling of time where it expands out centrifugally. It moves further and further and further, like that bell in one of C.S. Lewis's Narnia stories where it rings and it just gets louder and louder and louder. And in the fullness of time, as it swells and grows until the Lord, as it were, says, now. For it's the eternal now in which he works. And that's the fullness of time where it's going to keep coming. Behold now. Uh, Now I'm losing my places. Um, uh, Look now for glad and golden hours. Come swiftly on the wing and rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. In a similar way, love this poem. Um, T.S. Eliot's Journey of the Magi will listen to a... Give me, a, give you all a break from my voice. Um, yeah, go ahead. Um, Two thousand years of wrong. I think most people would think of that as two thousand years AD, but wouldn't it really be two thousand years BC? I think all, I think the entendre works every way. That's right. Um, waiting for Christ to come into the fullness of time there, you know, in the manger and on the cross and at the ascension. Uh, where once finally and fully, as it's sometimes called, I love it, is a rupture of the ages, where now that's the division between the old and the new. That's all there, absolutely. So the swelling between Christ's first coming and then the swelling in the fullness of time uh, when Christ comes to each of us, you know, once uh, at the beginning of our apprehension, at least, what we might call conversion, but then certainly, you know, renewed each morning where the gospel comes to us daily um, this idea of repentance which we'll come back to again of coming to our senses as it were every day waking up just like we do every day um, I think the fullness of time as the scripture uses it um, encompasses all those things it's a wonderful evocative idea that my ears been tuned to recently of how uh, how it speaks how the, how the word speaks of time, the timelessness, as it were, of time. Um, so 2,000 years, B.C., A.D., it's kind of, kind of the, the fullness of time is swelling. It's constantly swelling backwards and forwards. And there was a place where, as T.S. Eliot did it, this is the Matthew version of the story, which we're not going into, um, the, uh, the, the, the story of the wise men or the magi, as they're called sometimes, or or the, uh, the the kings from the east, those rulers from the east, the, the astrologers, you know, lots of ways that we think of them. Coming and, and, and going to Herod first, and Herod in a very wily way, they will bring me news too so that I may worship him. And they say, okay, take them at face value, but then they go and they behold the Christ child and it's revealed to them. It's like, don't, don't do that. And so they went home by another way, not to give in to Herod, and he goes off and, and uh, one of the, the, the awful blights of history, the slaughter of the innocents. Um, with the killing of every every male child under two, um, uh, to try to, to make sure that we just wipe him out. So this is told from the, the perspective of one of the uh, the magi. Um, uh, some people think this is a little bit overwrought. I like it, um, especially in the the second and third stanzas. The second just drips with different allusions. Um, looking at some of them, 
three trees in the low sky. That, of course, would be Golgotha. Um, uh, the white horse that galloped away in the meadow right there in the middle of the page. Um, the white horse, uh, whose rider's name is Faithful, um, coming in Revelation 19, I think that is. Um, six hands at an open door, dicing for pieces of silver. This is reminiscent of, of uh, 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 people at the foot of the cross um, uh, gambling for Christ's tunic. Um, what's that? For his garment. For his garment. Um, uh, empty wineskins. Um, this new dispensation, this idea of the old covenant and the new covenant. You can't put the old, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. Um, uh, this new dispensation sometimes is a word that's used to attach that, the way that Christ has now dispensed grace or God is dispensing himself into his creation. Uh, uh, a covenant, a new covenant, a new testament, a new word, a new giving. Uh, it can't go into the old for it'll burst it. It's truly new. Um, all these things drip, but then most especially the last line of the second stanza telling you what we're going to hear and then we're going to watch what I think is a pretty good production of it. Finding the place. Um, well, arrived at evening, not a moment too soon. Finding the place, the birthplace, the manger. It was, parenthetically, you may say, satisfactory. And the drip there, the entendre there is, of course, the the Christ is the satisfaction for sin, um, that the blood specifically is satisfaction for sin because in the third stand is all about blood. There was a birth. We had evidence and no doubt there's blood everywhere. But was it birth or death, which is also a place that typically accompanies, you know, uh, where, where blood can show, uh, ah, somebody died here. Um, so he goes back and forth with all this. Somebody might know this poem very well. I recommend a rabbit hole. <laughs> I was looking at this this morning. You can search this poem uh, on Google, just um, Journey of the Magi by T.S. Eliot. Uh, and there's some great readings. I've got three or four of them here stored up. Um, Alec Guinness does one. Uh, he of Obi-Wan Kenobi fame, uh, many other things too. It's great. You can find an old scratchy one of T.S. Eliot himself reading it, one that we're going to look at of, uh, of some group in London that did saw that Hugh Laurie did one recently. Um, the actor plays House. He's English, actually. Um, several others. It's a, it's a rabbit hole worth spending some time in because it's about a three-minute recitation. And it's always better British. It just he, he was I think he was from Ohio, but he was an Anglophile, and he actually affected this neo-British accent. It's a very strange story, T.S. Eliot. But nonetheless, I like this poem. Um, so let's go and see The Christ Child. Okay. A cold coming, we had of it. Just the worst time of the year for a journey. Such a long journey. The way is deep and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter. And the camels, gold, sore-footed, refractory lying down in the melting snow. There were times we regretted our summer palaces in the slopes, in the terraces, and the silken girls bringing sherbet. The camel men cursing and grumbling and running away and asking for their liquor and women. 
the night fires going out, the lack of shelter, and the cities hostile and the towns unfriendly, and the villages dirty and charging high prices. A hard time we had of it. At the end, we preferred traveling all night, sleeping in snatches, with voices singing in our ears, saying that this was all funny. Then we came to a temperate valley, wet, beneath the snow line, smelling of vegetation, with a running stream and a water mill beating in the darkness three trees on the low sky and an old horse galloped away in the meadow. There we came to a tavern with vine leaves over the lintel. Six hands at an open door, dicing for pieces of silver and feet kicking at empty wineskins. But there was no information so we continued. And arriving at evening, not a moment too soon, finding that place, it was, you might say, satisfactory. All this happened a long time ago. I remember, and we'll do it again. Set down. This set down. This. Where are we led all that way? For bear or death? There was a bear, certainly. We have evidence and no doubt. I had seen bear and death, but I thought they were different. This bear was hard and bitter agony for us. Like death. Like our death. We returned to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease with the old dispensation. With an alien people clutching to their gods, I should be glad of another death. I should be glad of another death. Um, you should probably just give a whole class to this. I mean, there's so many layers, you know, lentil, uh, Passover, the blood being smeared in the lentil. I mean, all these words are used very intentionally um, with this coming in this strange way that we make sense of, uh, of Christ coming in the world, born to die, um, with that peculiar sadness and that pathos that gets dripped into Christmas. Um, uh, and, you know, I like to feel the, the warmth and the smiles and the joy of Christmas along with anybody else more now than... Than, than, than certainly earlier times in my life. It happens in your middle age, I think. Um, 
but there's a sadness to Christmas, which also reckons its depth and its profundity. Um, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Uh, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteousness, righteous, who gave himself for us um, so that we wouldn't have to die. Um, and there's something that's very resonant here um, where we reckon with our the reality that we brought Christ into the world to die. And I should be glad of another death when, when I don't have to carry that weight around. Um, there's lots more, I think, that, that Elliot's trying to say, but it's a good one to sort of pinch. Um, as is, and we're not going to read this for time, uh, a story I'll often read on Christmas morning before everybody else gets up, Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory. Not a Christian story. I read part of it again this morning. Uh, you can also find him reading it. You know, Internet's a wonderful thing in some ways. It's awful in some ways, but it is a great thing in some others. Like, there's Truman Capote reading Christmas Memory. It's like 37 minutes long. Um, uh, not, a, not, a, not, a, not a redemptive story. I think it's very, very sad, in fact. Um, uh, but I'm attracted to that element of sadness, a little bit of the sadness that Eliot, in a, from a, a, a redemptive lens, wants to prick um, Capote in really a non-redemptive lens, but we might say just a common sense of, uh, of uh, well, how did Nims put it? The truth that man's flesh is most really this, a thin cry in the cold and dust made for just a little while aware. I would think, I don't know much about Truman Capote, but he'd probably say like, yes, I can get on board with that. So I recommend that to you if you want to sort of read that. I'm sure it's in the probably in the um, uh, common domain by now. Um, but here, let's, let's play this again. I didn't play it last year. Um, the just amazing setting that Annie Lennox of the Eurythmics fame, um, for those of us who are children of the 80s, uh, has for In the Bleak Midwinter, another one of Christina Rossetti's songs. And, and I've never liked the third verse. I love this setting for the first two and the way that, that in particular, and I haven't heard another one like it, um, that Annie Lennox arranges this or whoever did this for her. Uh, the th- what, what she has is the second verse here. Our God, heaven cannot hold him nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away. This is the second coming in the fullness of time uh, when he comes to reign in the bleak midwinter And now the first coming, a stable place sufficed. The Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Um, So I want to feel that pregnancy. And she raises it up literally with the arrangement in a particular way, away from the first and the third stanzas. And I definitely want to sort of feel that and think about that with the fullness of time of Christ breaking in, Christ breaking through. Once... Uh, in the stable 2,000 years ago and then on the cross now in our lives and then again when he comes once finally fully and for all time where time would no be no there'll be no more time uh, all those are pregnant and present in the second verse the first verse a little bit of Luther here if you're into the theology of the cross got hidden um, this is your hymn. This is your verse. In the bleak midwinter, frosty winds made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. 
stone, snow would fall on snow on snow, snow on snow in the bleak midwinter absence. Uh, long, long ago. Um, preparation for the coming. But then the third verse, which is a little bit like um, the little drummer boy. Um, what can I bring him? Poor boy that I am. I'll bring him a song. Um, and we're going to read Langston Hughes' poem uh, in a moment as well, Shepherd's Song at Christmas. What shall I bring him? What shall I bring at the manger? I'll bring a song. I'll bring a lamb. I'll bring him my heart. Christine Rossetti, if I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Um, what can I give him? I'll give him my heart. I want to put that in the lens of the great exchange. It's going to open this for me a little bit, um, telling you what we're going to talk about, and then we're going to do it, and then we'll talk about it. With the great exchange, it's um, uh, or the happy exchange. It's sometimes called now. It wasn't called you know, somewhere. When we started calling it that, probably in the 1800s. But primarily, probably the, the, the essential verse there would be 2 Corinthians 5. For our sake, he, God, made him, Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we, in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this happy exchange where Christ takes uh, what is ours and gives us what is his. He takes our poverty and he gives us his wealth. He takes our sin and he gives us his, his righteousness. He takes our mortality and he gives us his immortality. The happy exchange is always happy for us. What what is free to us costs God very much. No such thing as cheap grace. It's just free. Um, So from that lens, thinking about uh, giving him our song, and he takes that and he turns it and he sings a song which was written for him from time before, say, the suffering song one of the servant songs from Isaiah 53, and Christ sings that song, or giving him a lamb, and Christ you know, uh, receives the lamb, but then gives himself back as the lamb of God uh, who takes away the sins of the world. Or we give him our heart, and of course he takes that, and uh, that heart of stone, Ezekiel will remind us with such beautiful force, and he gives us back a heart of flesh upon which is written, uh, God's name. So we are now His, branded, as Paul would tell us. So that's where we're headed. But here first, just the wonderful, I love this version, um, and a lot of people have associated it. Oh, I heard your song the other day. It's like, in the bleak midwinter by Annie Lennox. Says, yeah, that's right. So um, I'm, I'm known, that's, it's worse, worse things to be known for, but that's all right. Um, all right, I gotta unfreeze this. Pardon me.
Oops, I was going to stop the music. Sorry about that. Um, so, it's all the time. I'm going to rush here. Um, I'll leave you to read. Uh, leave it to you to read. Um, Langston Hughes, same idea. Beautiful little poem. I like Langston Hughes a lot. Uh, but then reading it through 2 Corinthians 5. That God takes what we offer uh, and then we'll turn it and give back something entirely different. Um, certainly true when we offer him a song and he sings his own song. Or we offer him a lamb and he becomes the lamb and gives himself. Or we give him our heart and he takes it quite gladly, our Sony sinful hearts, and gives us a fresh, clean heart. This happy exchange. For then we can hear again just the, the, the thunder of any of the prophecies. But let's take Isaiah 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. You hear the fullness of time swelling here. To us, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. He will do it, as it says elsewhere. It's an amazing thing. Um, uh, and I hope we hear that fullness of time swelling so that something like uh, what Frederick Buechner describes as repentance, which I've repeated several times, and then Bill Murray and Scrooge, or Scrooge, um, a la Charles Dickens, would hear these words. To repent is to come to your senses. And that's exactly what Erasmus and Luther had described. Uh, a particular word where it's not what we bring to God, but what God does to us as he turns us and he awakens us. Like when I went in this morning, woke up one of my daughters, time to wake up. You know, as it were, repentance. You know, an act, somebody, I'm receiving an action. To repent is to come to your senses. It is not so much something you do as something that happens. True repentance spends less time looking at the past saying, I'm sorry, than to the future and saying, wow. Um, and that's Bill Murray at the end of Scrooge. Um, I get it. I get it now. I get it now. And that's Ebenezer Scrooge in Act 5, Stave 5, I think, um, Dickens called it, where he's just woken up after the uh, the ghost of Christmas future has has left and it's become a bedpost again and is almost the first words, at least the first page that comes out. And Scrooge just, just screaming out, I will live in the past and the present and the future. Fullness of time here. Scrooge repeated as he scrambled out of bed, the spirits of all three shall strive within me. Oh, Jacob Marley. Oh, heaven and the Christmas time be praised for this. I say it on my knees, old Jacob, on my knees. I don't know what to do, cried Scrooge, laughing and crying in the same breath and making a laocoon, which is a, maybe it's another story, um, of himself with his stockings. 
I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. A merry Christmas to everybody. A happy new year to all the world. Hello here. Whoop, hello. And I thought a good place to end was also with Charles Wesley as we started with him. This summons for joy. Joyful, all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies with the angelic host. Proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ, the everlasting Lord. Late in time, the swelling. Behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead, see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Hail hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark! The herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Let us pray. Lord, give us a good Christmas, I pray. um, That we be stirred in the fullness of your time. Your perfect time. You would come to us afresh and anew giving us a right sense of who we are, of who you are, of what you have done, and that all things are changed thereby. Um, Lord, take our sinful hearts and give us uh, a new heart, sprinkled um, clean uh, through your your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Merry Christmas to everybody. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.